Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Before we kick it off, I want to say thank you so much to our first two Patreons. So, um, if you're listening to the podcast, then you heard us just announce the Patreon, you know, a little bit back. Um, but even before those podcasts launched, we, um, timing wise, we posted that the Patreon was set up on the Instagram and two amazing listeners already jumped on and that just totally blows my mind and makes me so happy and i'm so grateful so um me chef aaron and naturally nurtured um was that or yeah it's, her name's Cara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cara. <laughs> okay okay um anyways i'm so grateful to them i'm excited yeah, so about i just wanted to about, give a shout yeah, out having just wanted to shout out having a, a community and sharing this stuff and going deeper and supporting each other yeah because that's what it's all about yeah so thanks you guys it just really means a lot to us and it makes me feel redoubles my commitment to make sure we put some good stuff <laughs> out there some good content for you on that private podcast feed which yeah. i already know allison we've already got some great stuff there yeah so um so thanks for that you guys that that really helps to keep the podcast going so um if you want to check out the patreon you can look in um the show notes or on our instagram we have everything linked there well allison has it all linked there <laughs> so, so thank you allison <laughs> all right so let's talk food mm. <laughs> uh, what was your last meal before you hopped on here allison? my last meal was lunch and it's a, actually quite a special one and i didn't coincide it on purpose to be on a podcast recording day i thought oh, this is gonna sound like no actually it just happened we had um homemade pasties do you know what a pasty is uh well <laughs> all i can think about is <laughs> that we have these um coffee stands here in the u.s mm. where <laughs> where girls were like bikinis and pasties so <laughs> no no <laughs> okay so you know that's what you're talking <laughs> you know before i moved to italy we were living in cornwall in the uk yes so there's this thing called a cornish pasty which is a kind of a pastry oh. and it's folded oh, in half it, it's like a half circle and it's got meat and bits inside and um, no i've actually had yeah, one in had one. in london i okay. was under some stone bridge some guy was selling them and so i made some oh, of those yeah, and rob really likes them um and mm. but i always try to make them kind of in a way that they're kind of pre-digested or sourdough or you know some kind of crazy creative thing so i had some lard cracklings some scratchings left over from rendering lard yesterday and i got into making them into a paste and putting them into doughs and i've done it a couple of times before and so what i did was i made a kind of a, a dough that was not very hydrated it was quite firm and that had a starter in it so it was a sourdough 
and I rolled it out and I blended my leftovers from making lard into a paste and then I spread that paste onto the rolled out dough and folded it over several times and then left it and rolled it out again and folded it over several times and so I ended up with kind of a a dough that was just completely strated with all these bits of lard and I used that oh as the base for the pasty <laughs> so which is usually pastry but it, it worked really well and I filled it up with a, a slow cooked stew that we made at the weekend which was from our farmer's sheep and they call it sheep here but we'd call it mutton in England i.e. it's not lamb it's the older sheep and I made a stew with tons of sort of herbs and spices and greens and things in over the weekend and we've been eating that for a while so I took some of that and I put it inside the pasties folded the pasties over my my son Gabriel helped and we joined them together and crimped them around the edges and then put them in the oven and they were absolutely delicious like flaky fatty lardy pastry with this deep mutton stew inside and lots of greens cavalonero and cabbage and onion and carrots mm. it was just lovely so that's what we had for that lunch. sounds so divine so you you made that um what the other day and then you had a leftover one for lunch uh, no we, ma- we made, made the pasties this morning um gabriel okay kind of, that was our task for this morning making the dough and letting it rise and doing the lard i made the lard yesterday and i made the stew on saturday so it's kind of three days worth perfect. coming together right um, and i yeah, love i love that i love food like that where it's kind of like like you could never have really done it all in one day but it came together exactly and oh, made something so new how about you mm-hmm. have you have you eaten Did you have oh, no. Go on. Well, I was wondering if you had any of your beer with you. No, no, I've got, I had a kind of a semi-beer disaster. I was sitting having the pasties and I was like, what? oh, I'm so sad. We've got no beer. And well, we, we changed to try and make it with barley um, because barley's more traditional. I wanted to try it instead of spelt. So we bought some barley, but it didn't sprout. So I couldn't malt it because it just didn't sprout. Oh. So wow. I tried to contact the, the, the company and try and find out, you know, this isn't pearled barley is it no it's not but they can't guarantee that it will sprout and it didn't sprout so um, we've now Mm. we've now got a rye beer in process because the rye sprouted that I bought Um, but we were supposed to have beer to go with it we should have should have had beer but um, not everything goes according to plan and and I soaked all this barley and and nothing happened so there was no beer sadly so we had to make do with wow. with water kefir and and water. And I've got a strawberry wine on the go, but it's not ready yet. So, but the pasties were enough. Mm. They were lovely. <laughs> oh yeah, and and um, I've heard of. I always thought it was pasties, but I guess it's pasties. So, um, Cornish pasties is like a phrase that I've heard or read. You know, is that kind of. Um, for England, anyways, where this mm-hmm. this style of food originated? Yeah, it, it originated you know? in Cornwall. I think it probably okay. was made like that because you can hold them in your hand and take them yeah, around I was with say, you. It seems like a worker. Yeah. So if you're going, I mean, in meal. in Cornwall, there's a lot. Historically, there was a lot of tin mines, a lot of mines. People went mm-hmm. down the mines. Yeah. So I guess yeah. you know, you put your meat and you put your veggies into this sort of handy package that you can just hold and eat. So it was very much a kind of efficient food as well as being really nice. But yeah, it's a Cornish thing. So instead of having a bowl of stew and bread to dip in it, you just kind of wrapped it up like... I mean, Italy's... Italy's... 
wow. I, <laughs> I apologize for my brain not being present today. Um, Italians mm-hmm. <laughs> have um, calzones. Yeah, don't exactly. They? And panini, that's kind of thing. It's, it's yeah, a, yeah. an efficient way to take food about with you. Mm-hmm. Well, we all... <clears throat> we all know about the tin mines over here in the U.S. because we watch Poldark. Yeah, so. of course. <laughs> so we know all, we know all about your history. <laughs> indeed, indeed. What did you have for breakfast? Have you have you eaten breakfast or not yet? <laughs> I did. I threw a couple eggs on a skillet and, of course, had that with sauerkraut. And then I made myself um, a big tumbler of tea that's sitting in front of me. So I'll kind of work my way through it as we go. Nice. But um, it's just uh, yesterday... Me and the kids went up to the garden to see if there was anything to pick. Mm-hmm. Because if you know me, you know that <laughs> um, I'm a beginning gardener. <laughs> and um, there's always tons of herbs because mm-hmm. um, we have some nice, really big herb bushes. Um, but we got some kale and snap peas and strawberries oh, yeah. out of the garden. That was pretty much all that was you know, available there. But I picked a bunch of lemon balm and sage and rosemary. Mm -hmm. And so I just stuck those in a mason jar, kind of like a bouquet, you know, Mm -hmm. but then like it looks pretty, but you can use it over the course of a couple days. So I just put a, a bunch of lemon balm sprigs and rosemary and sage in my tumbler and then I use the butt end of a knife to kind of muddle it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay. And then just poured the hot water in um, for like fast tea. I, th- I feel like the best way to do these herbal teas is to start it the day before and let it uh, sit. Okay. Um, not not with hot hot water because then you lose all the all the essential oils mm. kind of evaporate out of your leaves really quickly. Um, so I learned that from a <clears throat> foraging guide in Virginia. She always told us um, when you make your herbal teas, you know, if you can do them cold, you know, or room temp from the day before. But yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> anyway, it's delicious. So <laughs> I'm not complaining. It sounds lovely. I'm tr- I think I'm really growing good. some lemon balm. I put some seeds in, oh, but yeah. I forgot to label them. So I don't really know what's what, but I think one of them might be lemon balm. Mm. So I might get to try that later in the year hopefully honestly lemon balm and tulsi or holy basil probably my top two (laughs) garden herbs for tea i mean i i do not i i have tried buying them dried um and making tea i just don't like it i really only like it fresh once you started with fresh i think it's hard to go back I know, I know. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we get spoiled. (laughs) Tell us what we're talking about today. (laughs) So let's jump onto this topic because this is a good one. And I know, I know we're going to um, have a lot to discuss. So we want to talk about tech use, (laughs) tech use. And I, if you're listening and you're thinking that this was ancestral cooking podcast, well, we definitely get a lot of questions along the lines of how do you find the time so mm-hmm. i think that this is something we need to address because this is a secret time stealer um i was thinking about it last night allison and i was thinking tech and our time um and and money and food mm-hmm. all kind of can have the same sort of problem where like 
I've been writing down what I'm eating so I can see like what are my actual meals and are they balanced like proteins and carbs Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and I'm realizing to my shock probably over half of what I eat is just like like half my calories Mm. are probably made up between like okay I'm cutting up cheese for all the kids I eat a piece of cheese Mm. and then and then I put all their food on a plate and then I you know get distracted and I don't eat my own lunch because you know I I ate the piece of cheese so my brain yeah, doesn't think okay. I'm that hungry right right so, so like half my calories come in through these little scraps or with money you know people can um spend little bits of money here and there and suddenly you're like where is where did all the money go you know but it's just a little bit and I feel like tech can steal from us also we it can just creep into our life in little tiny ways um little minutes here and there standing in line or in the bathroom or whatever and then um our brains just get sucked away Mm -hmm. so you said something allison in one of our very first episodes you said casually said well um when i gave away my iphone and i said i remember i said wow we need to do an episode (laughs) all about that and so i'm really grateful that you and rob coordinated together to I know it's it's a lot more effort to get you both on here because you've got the little guy but um I'm so glad you guys coordinated so we could talk about this so let's talk about how tech use relates to our kitchens and to our lives and um and why don't you first um before we get into things why don't you summarize the issue what is going on um and why this thing that should be such a good in our life, why we're even talking about it in the sense of, you know, mm. trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think an issue. I think what you said, you know, kind of um, comparing it to uh, money or eating food, that kind of thing, is a good comparison. And then there's also the other side that there are people who want us to be scrolling. There are people who want us to stay on because it equals money into their pockets. And so not only is it just like a temptation of just, you know, spending a bit of money here and there, but that there's this drag factor that that things have been put in place to make us stay on there. So we need to be super clear in order to help ourselves to maintain some sense of balance. I think that there are two sides from from my perspective certainly there have been to struggling with social media and struggling with technology and the first one is the physical side and through physical I mean the screens and the EMF the kind of frequencies that we get bombarded with and that physical side is separate from the second side which is the psychological side and you know, if I say there's a physical side and there's a psychological side, at first sight, you might think, okay, well, they're you know, completely unre- unrelated. One of them's to do with what's happening to my body and one of them's to do with what's happening with, with my mind. Um, but I think as we carry on and as this discussion unfolds, we'll, we'll find that actually they're close, more closely related than, than we think, that those two are tied together in many ways. And so it's, without addressing one, it's difficult to deal with the other that and vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think you're right, and I'm and I really want to hear more about how you tie it together. So you started with giving away your iPhone, mm. but I mean that there, there's there's got to be a lot that lead there's got to be a lot that leads up to that. Mm. Um, and just giving away your iPhone, I mean that that doesn't eliminate 
um, screens from our life. Yeah. So tell us what you've done so far and um, could you tell a little bit? Well, well, tell it when it fits, but I, I, I don't mm. know when you want to tell us why you did that, but I want to know why. Yeah, okay. Let me start by telling you what I've done and then we can move on to the why okay. perhaps. So yeah, you're right. I, I got rid of my iPhone in December 2018 and I did that during a period of a social media break which ended up being two and a half years long and at the time that I started that social media break I also had an iMac and pretty soon after I gave away the iPhone I sold my iMac as well and so I've been with without a smartphone without a PC without a Mac since that time so that's two and a half years and obviously when you get rid of those things they leave a they leave a big hole where they were and it's not like mm. I haven't replaced mm. them but I've replaced them in a, a very different way so phone wise I have a 20 year old phone which was quite a shock when I first got it because I remembered having a phone <laughs> like that when I was in my 20s it was like going back I've in time <laughs> I've seen the phone you guys. She's not kidding. Yeah. And <laughs> she's not exaggerating. And that phone is off 95% of my day of my week. It goes on when I'm expecting a phone call. It goes on for me to check it every couple of days in the morning for 10 minutes. And then replacing the screen, the iMac or the computer, I use um, an e-reader. So by that I mean the devices that you see people having Kindle or Kobo books on that are black and white with a screen that looks like paper. You know, you see people with them. And I use that for 95% of my online life, a book reader with a paper screen. You can screen. go online on this? Yeah. So you can use, <laughs> wow. you can um, put, not only can you read books on them, but you can put the Instagram app right. on them. You can put your email on them. You can browse the internet on them. Oh. And wow. it's it works just as if you were holding a tablet PC, really. It's the same kind of functionality. So, although I... So, when you mm -hmm. go on Instagram, then, do you see everything in black yeah, and white? Yeah, I do. And that is... Oh, that's so cool. That is, was one of the biggest um, barriers that I initially put in place to accepting that because mm -hmm. I'm very much an aesthetic person. I mean, if you, anyone looks at my Instagram, your mm -hmm. feed, they'll see that I care a lot about how things look. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I get, I derive a lot of pleasure from looking at, at um, beautifully composed pictures. So that was a challenge to start with. Um, there are e-readers coming out now that are colour. So I'm hoping within a couple of years, they'll be at a price point which I can manage and I will be able to swap to a colour e-ink reader which would make so my like life color, but it has colorful. the paper. Yeah, so it's got the paper screen okay. and it has the same, when, when, when we have Rob come and talk, he'll explain the kind of technology behind it and how it's different. But it has a different technology, which does not have the same effect on the eyes and on the brain, but wow. it, it will be okay. color. So I'm hoping to swap to one of those. Um, my, the rest of my kit really is my, Canon um, camera that I use to take all my pictures mm -hmm. so I don't take any pictures on the device that I post from I take my pictures on a right. really good um, camera and it's been a joy to learn how to use it and to be able to use its wonderful lens to frame my pictures in, in a way that I find pleasing 
In addition to that, we don't have any Wi-Fi in our house. That's been a recent change, but um, that means that physically that Wi-Fi is not going into my system. And all that happened kind of, most of it happened a while ago. You know, I've been without an iPhone for two and a half years, but I didn't go back on social media until March last year. And having had a two and a half year break from it, I was a completely different person to to what I was previously on it. Not only a different user, but actually probably more a different receiver of information on social media. Um, and mm. really, that not only extends to the physical, how I use the tech, but also how and why I choose to engage in social media. So that break had a huge impact on my life. Well, I want to, I want to know what you mean a different, um, both a different user and a different receiver. Mm. Um, <clears throat> is there something that, um, uh, something you can illustrate for me to, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, grasp what you're saying. When I was using Instagram on my iPhone previously, I was, um, oh. really, I was sharing my art that I created using it. And I was posting two or three times a day using pictures from my phone. And then I was on it constantly. So I'd be cooking, right. I'd be cooking dinner in the kitchen with Gabriel at the table doing some coloring or something. And I'd be scrolling. Uh-huh. I'd be just like, oh, look, I've got five minutes yeah. for I need to turn this liver over in the pan. Quick, get the phone, scroll yeah. down the feed, look yeah. at it. I'd be checking it literally 15, 20 times a day. And then in addition, I, I'd be following lots of people. And I have different criteria in, in what I follow now. And previously I was following a lot of people and I didn't realize what letting that information into my life every day was doing to me, what effect mm-hmm. that was having on my state of mind. And I consciously now choose who I follow in a very different way because I know right. what effect opening a gate and allowing information to flow in to my day, my life, my moment has on me. And, and through being away from it for two and a half years, I got that perspective quite clearly. And that's one of the things uh-huh. that's been important to me to change going back on social media. I went to your Instagram yesterday, actually, to see how many people you were following. And I think it was like 60 or 70 or something mm. like that. Yeah, I, I often um, do culls because I, I can see that I'm having too many people. Yeah. Um, and maybe yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this later, but it, it's okay. it's an important thing, I think, to think about if yeah. with anyone who engages with social media, because really these things are for connection and for joy and for sharing. And, it, yeah. and if the things that you're seeing don't bring you that, if they make you feel negative emotions, which is what was happening to me, I was feeling mm-hmm. frustration or anger or annoyance or... It just all these shoulds that I should have been doing something. I don't want that in my oh, life, you know. Shoulds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those shoulds. Right. So I. Yeah. I really think you know the people that I follow now. I their posts bring me joy, and that's a really good thing. Oh, I love that. I mean, the fact that we even have to say, I mean, just follow the people who yeah. posts bring you joy, kind of tells you what a handle, um, no pun intended, social media has on us. Um, yeah, I actually scrolled through my list the other day to see who all I'm following is almost entirely just people that I know in real life. But um, that's, there's still like 600 people, wow. um, you know, which is a lot of <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that lot, of a lot of photos. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of photos. I mean, 
some of them really never post at all. They just have it because they want to like see yeah. what their friends are up to. Yeah. But um, okay, so could you share with us then? Um, so why you did that? You mm. got rid of your phone. You got mm. this twenty-year-old brick. Mm. You know, um, a little bit about how you operate now, mm. and you, you. So you did touch on it, but um, maybe a little bit more about the difference it has made in your life. Yeah, that's really big topics. So yeah why is the kind of the first thing and um when i took my two and a half year social media break i was pushed into that um and i'd say fortunately i was pushed into that i have a body that tends to break when i'm pushing too hard or when i'm pointing my life in the right direction and it makes really clear to me that i need to make a change um and i'm it's a double-edged sword because it's happened five, six, seven times in my life that I've been doing something that deep down wasn't the right thing for me to do and I either couldn't change or I wouldn't change or I didn't realise and then something's happened to my body and it's forced me to stop. So that's what happened mm. when I took that social media break. I, I'd i been pushing too hard. I got injured. I could see what I was doing and I knew I had to go inside and kind of figure out a new way to to run my life because it just wasn't working um it's really it was a hard thing to do and I don't think I I would have done it if I hadn't got injured because you know I love connection and and I I love sharing mm. and I was trying to build an art business and the platforms are designed to keep us on there but I had that kind of you know thing come down on my head that I that I hurt my shoulder I hurt my neck and I couldn't do it anymore so I kind of got rid of it completely so physically yeah so you were quite physically injured yeah i was physically injured and in a lot of pain and i just knew i had to close down and and something literally came down on your head literally (laughs) wow so during that period i got like we said i got rid of my iphone and there are really everything about getting rid of my iphone came down to health and that is in two sides the physical and the psychological but every reason was to remove something either from improving my physical health or prioritizing my sanity and my mental health so if we start Mm -hmm. with the physical side um i became aware during that period of break and during that injury of the effect that the screen of my phone and the EMF that I was being exposed to was having on my eyes, on my mental state and on my sleep. For me, sleep has always been one of my biggest health issues. Waking up in the night, not being able to get back to sleep, not being able to get to sleep, lack of sleep and sleep debt. And we know anyone who's read anything about this knows that EMF, blue light, eye strain all play into sleep. The reason that I noticed it more was because Rob, my husband, is much more obviously sensitive to screens and EMF than I am. And he started having to just change things in his life and find other ways of being. And at the beginning, I was like, "Mm, yeah, you know, don't really, it's not, doesn't affect me. (laughs) I'm not like you. But when I took these things out of my life and when I tried his alternatives, it uncovered this incredible thing that had been happening to me the whole time and I'd not realised. The the analogy that 
I think I've mentioned to you before about it is, you know, say you're allergic to something and you keep on eating it, you keep on mm-hmm. eating it, you keep on eating it. And it's got right. kind of this undercurrent of things going wrong in your health or your skin or um, your digestion. And then you take it out of your life and you're like, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. And that's what happened because of what right. Rob was doing, because he had to, because wow. he was much more sensitive than me. I got exposed to what he was doing and I could see, my gosh, this is happening to me too. And that has, was the kind of impetus um, to the, to moving me physically, to wanting me to not have the actual physical devices in my life. The science of it is, is mostly above my head. Rob can explain it so much better than me and handily, I have Rob sitting right next to me. So (laughs) literally I'm going to just pop up and I'm going to get him to sit in my seat and he's going to explain to you and you can ask him about the physical side of it health-wise, okay? Perfect, I'm ready. You can do a little dance. (laughs) Hi, Andrea. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've put the little guy downstairs with, um, well, with a tablet PC, actually. That's a bit topical, isn't it? Um, we don't do it, <laughs> we really don't do it often, but it's, yeah, we're, we're one of those couples who people only meet one or the other of us, usually, and they, they never see us together because we don't have a babysitter, so. Uh. Yeah, well, you know, the only reason it really works as as a lure is if the kids don't get it that yeah, much. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so true. Actually, <laughs> it really is true. He get he gets like twenty minutes, half an hour most days, and that and that's it. That's as far as it goes. Yeah, <laughs> that works. So Allison has kind of been alluding to to your story. I'm not sure where you walked in, um, but she was telling us that you know you were more affected more visibly initially although it sounds like Allison you're telling us that there's basically a um a pandemic that none of us know is going on because we're not aware that the symptoms are happening in our body but Rob it sounds like you were having really visible symptoms so can you tell maybe a little bit about your story yeah um, sure and then yeah okay. okay great um well I grew up in the 1980s and I was a bit unusual back then because I spent a a huge portion of my childhood just glued to computer screens basically and I I know it's kind of it's not really that unusual now I I mean the way that I would stand out as unusual now is that I spent the time rather than playing computer games I was writing computer games so that that was kind of my engagement with it and it's funny to me now when I see my son with his um little folder full of drawings and colorings and things that he's done and I like I literally had a folder and load of program listings basically printouts that I used to go through when I was like seven years old and it's just it it just and it it wasn't uh, the strange thing about it I mean like people might beat up my parents for sort of letting me do it but I think part of the reason they did let me do it was because I was engaging with something that seemed quite productive you know I mean I used to create these games and these sort of uh, music related programs as well just all kinds of fun things and it's not like I was just there sapping my brain just playing some shoot 'em up computer game I really did do some interesting worthwhile stuff but I think 
that that analogy that you made earlier on about it sort of things stealing time from you and stealing money from you in little little bits i think the the technology that you use when you use a computer is it's the same thing actually it steals little bits of health from you little by little by little over years and years and i think by the time basically fast forward like i don't know 15 years or whatever by the time i was 20 i was just i had headaches like i can't even describe to you the kind of pain that i was in it's, it's, it's like the sort of pain that just shuts you down completely and stops you from functioning and and of course you know i went to the doctors with this and they gave me two solutions they gave me painkillers and they gave me migraine prevention tablets and i think migraine prevention tablets they're like they change the kind of vasodilation in your head or something i don't know but i i didn't take them i took the painkillers and they helped they helped a bit but it, it was when i asked them the question like well how, how long am i going to have to do this for and then the doctor just sort of she looked at me with this kind of baffled expression on your face it's like well you're not going to be able to stop taking them and i'm like oh, really right wow. and I, and the thing is i mean i i think a lot of people just accept this kind of thing they they get some health problem and the doctor tells them they've got to do this this and this and they just do it and they do it for i think the the thing that made it different for me was i really wanted to be able to sing i wanted to be able to sing well and my experience of singing back then was that i had a really bad sore throat and just you know like a couple of lines of singing i basically couldn't sing anymore i just destroyed my voice and it didn't sound that good anyway it would you know it wasn't worth the effort basically and the first thing you'll hear from any singing teacher is you need to be able to relax it needs to be a sort of relaxed controlled experience for it to be powerful and for it to be something that you can do for any length of time and i just at that point started some yoga classes and the teacher was he was really good in the sense that he managed to get me to experience some of that kind of relaxed controlled powerful movement in some moving through some of the yoga postures and i just i thought i want more of this you know if i could do this when i'm singing it would be really really great but it it seemed to me that i couldn't do that just through some kind of postural exercises or kind of practicing different breathing techniques it it seemed to me that if, if you learn a kind of a breathing technique to express yourself with then your expression is always going to be confined within that breathing technique so what i can what i concluded at that point was that if i wanted to be pain-free and if i wanted to be able to sing well the, t the two things were the same solution they were to sort out my health and figure out what the hell was going on and why a 20 year old should have just cripplingly painful headaches all of the time and anyway it wasn't just headaches it was just my body just hurt like from from top to bottom basically and i did i was very i was very lucky my after university my mother just took me in for a few years and kind of let me sort myself out uh -huh. which I, God knows what would have happened otherwise. I have really no idea. But so, yeah, I mean, from that, fast forwarding that forward many more years, when I met Alison, we moved here to Italy. And the first time, actually, before our son was born, we moved back again to England later. But the first time we moved here, it's, it's quite difficult to earn a living in a foreign country when you don't speak the language very well and, and you're just trying to kind of cope and um, so the solution was to do something online because of course when you can do things online then it doesn't matter who you're surrounded with or how rubbish your italian is you can just you know you, you can earn your money through a computer screen so i started doing some coding because I, I went to university and did computing 
and I, I did all right at that. I earned some money out of it, but the problem was is I was using these screens again. And I would say, I mean, now, certainly the, the pain side of my problems have gone. I still have echoes of the kind of health problems that I have, that I had back then. But what happens when, um, when I started using computers again is I had to find some kind of balance between the technology that I was using and the impact that it had on me. And so I would say probably in, in my, the good thing about that is that even people who don't do the job that I had as a freelance coder, they still end up using these computing devices. So I think I learned a whole load of things that realistically I probably would have had to learn anyway um, at any mm. point in the future um, eventually. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I reached the point now where, okay, I, I mostly feel better and my, I'm a singing teacher now. So that, you know, that side of it's all kind of sorted. The, I would say in my recovery, one of the, the, there were several big things and there were a lot of little things. And I would say probably one of the little things was reducing EMF exposure. And one of the very big things was sorting out um, my relationship with computer screens. And, and probably like for some people, I guarantee you, like I've met some people who I guarantee you it would be the other way around like that they would need to sort out their problems with EMF before they worry about the computer screens. So it very much depends on what your individual sensitivities are and also how much you're using right. these devices and what you're using for. So, you know, whatever we come up with in the next 15 minutes with you questioning me, I think people have to keep their brains very much switched on to their own situation and how it applies to them rather than just trying to follow whatever solution I feed them. Mm -hmm. that's that's um it's terrifying hearing you say how how young that was happening um especially when you pointed out that now nowadays it would not be considered abnormal at all for a child to spend that much time on screens well yeah that does uh, i think about that you know when i'm on a, a train looking at everybody else in the carriage all just glued to mm -hmm. their, their phone screens and some of them are like sort of half my age or a quarter of my age or whatever and it's just like what is happening to the world? It's like absolutely amazing. So can you tell us um, a little bit about the effect of just the standard screens, which I assume is what you were using then and, and what most people use now and like what I have open in front of me right now? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. We, we don't. Um, we've, got a, oh, we've got a tea towel over the screen. Has Alison never told you that? I bet she's never told you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the only thing that, that can show like pictures and, and stuff, you know, and works with things like Zoom. When I mean, obviously, like when, when you actually look at each other and you talk for a few minutes you, at the beginning, then, then we don't have it, have the tea towel over the screen. But then as soon as we actually start the podcast, we cover it. Because otherwise, what is it? It's just a, it's just a blue light source like glaring at you the whole time. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I should say for everyone, listening um allison and i get together on a zoom call when we start the podcast and we have our cameras on for a minute and we say hello and and whatever and then we turn the cameras off and usually i actually tilt my laptop yeah, down for sure but yeah. this time i didn't print off the notes so oh, i have the notes opened yeah, okay. up in front of me <laughs> um okay yeah for sure so let's hear yeah the effects. the effects okay so um, 
The science on this um, is pretty straightforward, really. I mean, the, there is a lot of evidence about the effect of blue light on your circadian rhythm if that blue light appears at any time other than midday sun you know like with blue blue light is effectively it's the portion of the spectrum that the sun gives out or you know that gets to us from the sun at that time of day so if you can imagine if you tried to sleep through midday like in the in the right outside in the glaring like Italian sun, like in the middle of August, and then as soon as it gets dark in those long cold nights, then you pop up and you start to try and run around. I think you'd find pretty soon that you're finding it a little bit difficult to get any sleep and to exist, right? I mean that that's just common sense, and it and it is borne out with the science that if you turn on a blue light source at nine o'clock in the evening, or, or f- frankly even like five or six o'clock in the evening that's outside the time when you would naturally see that frequency of light and it messes with your circadian rhythm it's like it's it's not rocket science it's common sense and the science does bear it out Mm -hmm. where it gets a little bit more muddy is um screens i should probably explain actually the Alison was talking about an e-ink screen. Um, There's a difference, and I should explain the difference between an e-ink screen and a regular screen because this is really, this is really like crucial to the impact that they have on you. A regular, like a laptop screen, LCD screen, um, or even those cathode ray tube things that we used to have like 20 odd years ago or whatever. What they do, they have this trick where they flash on and off. So for a moment, you'll see everything all really bright, all in the colors that it is. And then it flashes off and it goes dark. And then it flashes on again with a different kind of arrangement of pixels on the screen. So you get this kind of illusion of movement from these flashes on and off and on and off and on and off. Now, there isn't much science on this. There's not much in the way of studies on this. But if you ask anybody how they feel after staring at a computer screen for six hours, they'll tell you tell you that their eyes don't feel so hot um and also if you look at the um kind of stereotypical guy who spends his entire day in front of computer coding he probably wears glasses and probably his eyes don't look Mm. so it's it's like a kind of and anecdotally there are an awful lot of people who have got really really bad headaches from these things and e-ink screens they don't do this they don't flicker on and off like that an e-ink screen is literally i mean if you turn an e-ink device off what was on the screen often it can remain on the screen in fact if your computer actually deliberately changes the screen when you switch off it won't but if if the computer doesn't do something extra whatever was on the screen stays like that because it's actually it's a physical kind of thing that it has the pixel has turned on or the pixel has turned off and therefore it's either black or white and it actually looks like that and it's not going to flash on or off in order to change the picture it's actually just going to literally just change it to the next thing and so that that flashing on and off um kind of illusion that's the thing that makes a phone screen or a laptop screen or a tablet screen really nasty because i i mean my suspicion only borne out by again anecdotal evidence and common sense is the fact that this 
this is the thing that one of the things anyway that gives people a really bad headache and the really interesting thing about it is that if you have a mobile phone screen mobile phones and laptops in particular are designed for very low power usage and in fact a lot of desktops are now as well because we've got this whole energy efficiency drive which is great but the way that we do energy efficiency in the context of a screen unfortunately is we make the time when the screen is black when it's turned off longer so what you have is you have it flashing on with one picture then you have it flashing black to turn off and they elongate that time when it's black to save some power and then they put another picture up and what that does is it worsens the illusion so you're more likely to get a headache and I can tell you you like being pretty sensitive to this sort of thing myself I can tell you that two things govern how bad a headache I get after looking at a computer screen. One of them is how high a level of blue light that computer screen is giving off. And the other one is how long that off period is, basically what the refresh rate of the screen is. And so the the better the illusion, the better the refresh rate, that will make me feel better. And a low blue light screen, that will also make me feel better. Um best explanation I've got there's there's one last thing actually and that's also that I think also screens give off electronically generated frequency patterns that you would just not see in nature so sort of combinations of frequencies or even frequencies that just wouldn't particularly come from the sun certainly not in that kind of balance and so those I, I suspect that even at midday those things are probably going to be doing you some harm um, they, they certainly mm-hmm. seem to do me some harm. It doesn't matter what time of day I look at these screens. I, I just I get a headache basically immediately. Um, yeah. Next question, please. Uh, I've got uh, Alison well, hurrying, uh, hurrying me up in the background. She's, <laughs> <laughs> She's about to whip the tea towel off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, hit okay, me with so, it. I don't know. So <laughs> you did say that when you um, were trying to help Alison and I figure something out on Zoom and you got on the computer from the other room in the house so we could figure something out yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And I remember you said, oh, I can already start to feel the effects of this. I'm going to have to turn it off. Okay. And so <laughs> now I understand okay. what you were talking yeah, yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like literally I um, get a headache within seconds of look, like a phone screen. I mean, yeah, that, that really you hurts, were not on you know? for more than 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was very quick. Yeah, I mean, it's it really okay, so so. How do you how do you mitigate that then? What what do we do? I mean, okay, you get an e ink tablet. You, if there's if there's that. one big thing, like honestly, that that I could recommend everybody, it's just the the thing is like not everybody's hypersensitive to these things like me. Like you know, it's the same. I I would say it's the same as it is with food. Like if if you're very very intolerant to something like um, wheat, for example, lots of people have got wheat intolerance, right? So they they shouldn't be eating it because they'll get a stomach upset right away, you know. But for other people, it's like, well, may, maybe that's a better alternative than whatever other junk food happens to be on offer in the cafe that they find themselves in, you know. So for, because they're mm-hmm. hungry, they might just go for whatever's there. But the same thing applies to screens, really. You, Some people might not be as sensitive, but I think the the point is if you're... If you're going to be using the thing for like three, four, five, six, seven hours a day, eventually you will become sensitive because you've been using it for that amount of time. So probably 
if if you're being sensible, you should probably look at the example of the, all the canaries like me who have really screwed themselves up and go, okay, like <laughs> how can I do something yeah. to to do something about this? And I think, I mean, e-ink tablets are just absolutely amazing. There's a, probably we should put a list of the brands that we've tried buying in the past in the show notes or something. I mean, there's um, there's what is it? There's a books Onyx. Onyx books, something like that. And I think they're the best ones that we've had. And essentially what it is, it's an ebook reader, but it uses Android um, like a phone or a tablet to run it. So effectively you've got a web, you've got a web browser, you've got um, an email package. You just got basically the things that you would use on a daily basis. The more functions, you can use Instagram on it. I mean, like Alison says, but you're only gonna see it in black and white like she said there are color ones right. as well but they're very expensive the more functions of your daily life that you can replace with one of them the better at the same time you can you can also buy screens that are color but they're also they're a bit easier on you so they may have a higher refresh rate they may have a lower amount of blue light that they're generating they they may be clever about the frequencies that they're giving off and we've bought a couple of tablet PCs that have really, really been quite good on that level. With the phone, I have yet to find a phone that is anything other than absolutely vicious. Um, so really, I mean, if you can replace what you're doing with a phone, partly with a tablet PC and partly with an, a 20 year old phone, which by the way, won't cost you very much, which is really nice. And also, as Alison said, like the, the psychological factors that you will be changing when you move to a um very old phone are not insubstantial as well so there's there's other reasons for doing that if you can possibly swing it you know and you and you can turn on a tablet pc and it will do all the th- you know almost all the apps that run on your smartphone they'll run on a tablet pc but the point is with a tablet pc you can have a slightly kinder screen and you're also not going to be using it for a phone like why should you use it for a phone when you could just have a phone you know um, <laughs> When you get, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you ask the question, any other century? <laughs> yes, that's very true. Compute. Yeah, last one, certainly not. There is actually there, I should mention, there's a piece of software called Iris, um, which changes the level of blue light that comes out of your screen and possibly the refresh rate as well, if it can. And that that makes it feel better when you're looking at a color screen that's another thing for the show notes but there there are various little things you can do to to make life easier basically so if we could then so to kind of summarize what you're saying if we can if there's functions we have to do so for instance i have um a page on hip camp i have to maintain it answer messages schedule campers things like that if i can move project like that to the e-reader yeah where i can still complete the project but i'm not going to fatigue myself that's a good thing. yeah i mean you will be looking and at a piece of paper that's what it feels like rather than right okay you know and then the um things like making a phone call just <laughs> use yeah. a regular phone for that um and then emails the emails who, who needs a computer? color screen for emails i mean like really the and these e-ink tablets you right, can right. plug a bluetooth keyboard into them we'll talk about bluetooth in a minute but um okay. yeah you can you can plug a keyboard into them <laughs> sounds great so uh, you can type like properly you don't have to use one of those horrible phone keyboards to type as well so all right um, 
And then I can use Iris if there's something that just really has to exactly. be done on the computer just that's, to try to mitigate the, the effects. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's all in the context of screens. Okay, let's hit on the Wi-Fi real quick. What, what does this do to oh, us? Or, or okay. do we even want to know? Well, <laughs> yeah, the thing about I, uh, Wi-Fi is that there's not much in the way of science that's going to tell you anything useful. I mean, there, there is. In, in the, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, you know, it's proven it's going to cause cancer or it's going to do this or it's going to do that. I, I've read a lot on this subject. And, and if I have to be honest about it, I don't see any like conclusive evidence that 5g cause corona or that um wi-fi causes cancer or whatever like that but what i can say is that there there's an enormous amount of anecdotal evidence of people really exhibiting similar sorts of symptoms to the ones i exhibit in front of screens but they're exhibiting them when they walk past a cell tower or they sit next to a wi-fi router or whatever and i'm i mean pretty certain that in my own case um, one of one of my computing solutions a few years ago involved me sitting next to a wi-fi router like i i was out um oh. i was out on the road sort of you know working in cafes and what have you and um i'd, I'd have a wi-fi router and then i'd have a tablet an e-ink tablet pc communicating with the internet through that wi-fi and of course being a foot away from the damn thing for four or five hours a day Eventually, I had some pretty serious brain fog come the afternoon when I finished working. And what I did was I started using Bluetooth instead of Wi-Fi to do the networking. And it turns out that Bluetooth is an awful lot less powerful as an EMF source than Wi-Fi, which people don't necessarily know. But um, yeah, I do this and suddenly the brain fog's gone. I mean, literally it just, it went just like that. So on, on a personal level, I'm pretty well convinced that it's better to just have as little Wi-Fi in your life as humanly possible. Um, and I wonder if I've got any other ideas about that. Um, it does. I mean, the thing is, if you're truly sensitive to it, you can go an awful lot further. You can you can have Wi-Fi shielding, like shielding clothes. You can paint it over your house. If you, and and Wi-Fi. I mean, the anecdotal evidence does tend to point towards Wi-Fi causing sleep disturbances and Wi-Fi causing headaches um, mm-hmm. and brain fog. Those are the two things that I've heard again and again and again. And I can I can definitely attest to the brain fog. I mean, I, I thought I had brain fog just because I was working really hard and it turns out it had nothing to do with that. I just turned off the damn Wi-Fi router, you know? <laughs> well, there's not, it's, it's one of those things where there's not very many people who have, you know, a kill switch in their house yeah. or have completely eliminated everything. So there's not a lot of comparison data in our everyday conversation but the people the few people i do know who you know shut like i even know someone who shuts off all the electricity in their house at night um and those people you they can feel the drastic difference when they forget to do that yeah exactly or, or go stay somewhere where you know like a hotel or something um but we, most of us in our everyday life, we don't have anything to compare it to. And, and I think coming back to the food comparison is another yeah, great thing that, again, because um, 
we all say, oh, you know, I remember even before I started eating, you know, quote unquote healthy food, then I would say, oh, well, I don't, you know, I see those people who eat healthy and then they eat one piece of junk food and they're like laid out. I don't want to be like <laughs> yeah. that, you know. And now I know, like, I just felt bad all the time. I just wasn't really that aware of it because I had nothing to compare it to. Yeah, that's it. Um, did you want to say anything about mitigating the effect of Wi-Fi? I mean, you did allude to the fabric and the paint and things Yeah, like I mean, I think I, the simple things people can do. I mean, your, your Wi-Fi router, just move the damn thing further away. I mean, just really, like, put it, put it in the other room like, and, until the point at which it's going so slowly that it's useless. Just keep it as far away from you as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Turn it off when you're not well, using it. You know, pe people use leave their Wi-Fi routers on like permanently, but really put it on a timer switch. Just do not have it on, especially near you at night time. It's just it's worth bothering to not mm. not have that banging away at you constantly. And and it again, it's this thing of well, okay, you may not be that sensitive to it now, but I guarantee you, if you have it like flowing through your body day in day out like for years and years and years it's it's not going to be doing good things for you it really isn't and and it's just right. yeah there aren't there aren't any sort of double blind controlled studies on this but you know who's going to pay for them you know <laughs> like really it's it's not no, it's not going right. to be the phone companies so um <clears throat> other things you can do what you can do one thing that's worth mentioning actually there are ironically phone apps um that allow you to test the level of wi-fi in your vicinity and so you could set that thing on and then you could move your wi-fi router and see what difference it makes and you could get some shielding material and put it over your wi-fi router if you live in a small flat and see what difference that makes um, there are some settings on some routers that allow you to use bluetooth instead of wi-fi bluetooth is far lower power and so um, okay. very much worth trying to do that I didn't know that um, yeah I didn't know that there you go that's the short version um, I think I should probably hand you back to Alison now <laughs> okay <laughs> really Thank nice you. to talk to you Andrea oh nice to talk to you too Rob bye for now bye hello <laughs> all right you're back yeah, <laughs> that was I great am. <laughs> I am we should interview him more Alison well he's got a lot of um, information at his fingertips. He's done a lot of research and I think he can answer those sort of questions better than I can. He could talk about it for hours. Well, it's not just that. Tell. It's not just that. I mean, he, there's a lot more than just having the data and you and him are both very similar in that you've done so much personal work that you're able to, you can unpack why these things matter mm. more so than just, you know, downloading some percentages for us to <laughs> you know try to consume. yeah yeah that's a good point i think he he um yeah you're going to have a chat with him for the patreon feed where i yep, think he can I'm dive so in so more excited. deeply into what you can actually do and the specifics of it and and yeah. probably share some of the how to build it how to kind of um mm -hmm. create solutions so that's something that yeah um, we can we can put on the Patreon feed as a resource for forever for people, which is, which makes me feel good. Right. <laughs> yeah. So some, if you, if you were listening and you, <laughs> and you liked that conversation with Rob, um, no, really, Alison and I were talking about it when we were discussing this episode and there's just way more than we could pack mm. into this episode. So we, we ended up, we made like a spillover kind of 
episode that I'm going to sit down and interview Rob and kind of go more in depth in a lot of this. Um, and I also have, I want to ask him about, um, you know, we said we talk more about kids and screens mm. whenever he and I get to do that interview. So that'll be a really, really great one. And that will go up on the private feed for the Patreons as our, our patrons. I keep calling it Patreon. Yeah, it's patrons. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the patrons of the Patreon. So just an extra, extra thank you yeah. for supporting the podcast. So, um, so that was a lot of the health stuff. Yeah. Do you, is there more you wanted to touch on, on the psychological side, although you did, you did touch on that earlier. Yeah. But. I just um, wanted to say that the psychological side for me is just as important as the, the physical side and that it has an effect mm -hmm. on my health. And I think that, you know, the, the conversations that I've had with other people about this have focused mainly on the psychological side because that's the bit that they can see that is happening. You know, they haven't had a rob in their life, so they don't know so much about the physical right. necessarily. Right. Um, but really, I don't think I've met anyone, or maybe they just haven't told me, that is really at peace with what they're doing with with the technology in their life and what they're doing on social media. No, I have sites. not. And I have so not. I think that it's important for me to share that side of it as well as the the kind of the physical side with you. Um, maybe I could tell you kind of how I work now, just touch briefly yes. on the physical, and then I could talk about that the kind of the psychological how I work now, and we can feed it around there. Does that work? Yeah. Yep, I like so that. So physically, you know that I've got an old phone. It's off. 95% of the time and I just use it for making phone calls receiving phone calls and a bit of texting mm -hmm. I've got my e-ink reader I can email on that I can um, Instagram on that I can use Facebook Messenger I can create documents on it I can listen to podcasts I can internet browse I can edit some of my photos that I get from my Canon camera and I've got no Wi-Fi personally and kind of for my psychological health the first thing that <laughs> I do, big. yeah, the first thing that I do and that I would say to everyone should do is I don't have any notifications at all on any yes. of my devices. So it sometimes takes some time to go in and find the setting where you can say, please don't send me any notifications. And sometimes you need to do it in four or five different places because they get you from all different <laughs> angles. <laughs> but li literally I have, so I have no Instagram notifications. I have no in notifications for any of my apps. I have no banking notifications. I have no yeah. any notifications. And so I know now if I put on a new app and I don't know how to turn the notifications off, or I forget and I get a notification. I watch it happen and I'm doing something and the notification pings up and suddenly I'm like, uh, what, what was I doing? What What's that all about? Uh, Ooh, and yep, and yep. I see that, that must have been doing that to me all the time. So that's the first thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, mm. I, Alison, I will say that I, I am not, <laughs> I'm not as um, um, achieved as you and Rob <laughs> in this regard at all. But that is one of the first things I did a couple of years mm. ago when I just started realizing how insidious this was. And, and I started waking up to, like you said, they're kind of designed to keep you on there because the more swipes and clicks all adds up to many, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I put my phone on do not disturb when we were at actually at a young living convention a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and i've never turned it off of that right. <laughs> it's just permanently do not disturb yeah, not and then you're right i still had to go into the apps even though it doesn't it wasn't dinging me and saying 
bing, mm-hmm. you have a notification. Um, is still, if I looked, you know, you can find the push notification uh, yeah, on a phone. Yeah. Um, then I, I would see that it said, Allison said, why don't yeah. you? And I'd be like, what? Why don't you what? What did Allison yeah. say? You know, so then I would <laughs> oh. click it, right? So, <laughs> so I have turned, um, I had to go in manually yeah. to every one of those and turn those off. And I will say that um, it was, it. it's definitely a huge leap in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if, if anyone is listening helped. who has any problems with social media and feels conflicted about it, just turn those notifications mm-hmm. off. It will change your life just doing yeah, that. You're, you're not off of social media yet. You know, if you do it for work or something, you're still like, for me, it's mostly for work. So you're still there and you can still get on and do things in your time. But, um, but you're not just being dragged, like you said, in and out of little snippets of life constantly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly being dragged okay, in and out. Carry on. Sorry, I just just wanted to say like that's a baby step, but a good one. So <laughs> yeah, it. and I turn my phone off now. Obviously, my phone's just a phone. I'm not using it like a smartphone, but I turn my phone off. I don't have it on. I don't want to just be be beholden to something to run my life for me. I want to run my life myself, so I turn my devices off. In the same. Okay, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you again, Go Alison. <laughs> Sorry, just call me notification Anna. <laughs> um, but, but okay, when um, Jacob was a baby, hmm. lived in Virginia Beach, and I think that I set my cell phone down on like a shelf in the grocery store hmm. sometime because I never found it oh. again. I think like I lost okay. it, and um, I didn't replace it for several months. And there was no reason other than that I just kept resisting getting a new one. Mm. And um, the only person it bothered was everybody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not me. Um, like if I needed to make a phone call, I actually would go turn on the computer and open up Gmail. And there's like a place in Gmail where you can make a phone okay. call. And... I would like, I called my mom from that. I was like, Hey mom, my phone's broken or it's gone. We don't know where it went, you know? Um, and so when I tell people how I, I, after being tethered to a phone for so long, you think in your head, the phone is freeing, right? Like, Oh, I can just go anywhere and they Mm. can still get a hold of me. It's not freeing. And I didn't realize how not freeing it was until it was completely 100% absent from my life. And I would get in the car and drive off, you know, with Jacob, like go to the beach or the store. And I would just be like, I feel so free. Like, I don't know how to describe it. And when I tell people, they say, oh yeah, you know, um, I went somewhere the other day and I forgot my phone and I'm like, no, it's, it's different when it just doesn't exist. There's something totally different about it. And, and like I said to Rob, if anybody in any other century heard you say this, they'd be like, it doesn't make any sense. And it's hard at the beginning. At the beginning, it was hard because, you know, you you get on a train and I get on a train quite a lot. You get on a train and what are you going to do without a phone? Mm. You know, well, oh, actually, you're going to look out the window or you're going to close your eyes and check your breathing or you're going to read a book. (laughs) But it's quite hard because it's addictive really addictive are you too 
Allison, my sister and I went to England and we were on a train. Then we we had no phone, you know. So we sat and we, we made faces to the train going the other way. <laughs> and we were so engaged in this activity that we didn't know we were being watched by somebody else until um, all these boys from New Zealand stood up from the bench across to leave. And they, one of them ran across the aisle and wrote his number on my sister's arm. That's <laughs> a way to get a date. <laughs> They were so entertained. So we ended up actually, um, we emailed him for a while back and forth, just like how his life was in New Zealand and whatever. But he was just like, oh, we just thought it was so funny. We've never seen anybody do anything like that before. But see if we were on our phone, yeah. that never would have happened. Life, life opens <laughs> up, I think, so much more when you mm -hmm. don't have that. And it, it it's hard. I found it hard to make these changes. It's not something I've just done easily. It's been... Often yeah. it's been a battle because who wants to sit with to themselves, you know, it, the phone is a distraction Ugh. and it stops us thinking about what we've done wrong or how we're feeling or the fear of what we're doing in the next year of our life. And, and, and it's easy to be distracted, but actually oh, yeah. facing those feelings and feeling them and being with them in your life is a way of living life so much more fully but it's not pain free. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to say that it's not been an easy yeah. journey for me. Really. No. And Sabrina just just yesterday Sabrina on Instagram mm. sent me um a quote from Corey Ten Boom mm. and she said if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Yeah, completely. <laughs> and I I thought, I'm a, I'm a complete cuz you had just said that to person. me about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. therefore yeah. it suited me so, because yeah. it kept me busy. I like, you know, I, I literally, I avoid things by being busy and I avoid looking after myself by being busy because it feels right to me yeah, to feel me busy because I've been used to it. So let me... That's um one of the things that I've been, that I've been unwrapping with this whole, you know, thing with, you know, tracking food and trying to figure out yeah. like if I'm eating proteins and carbs and stuff, I'm really finding that... Um, this not that the food isn't there and it's not that the time doesn't exist to make it it's just that I create like these stories yeah. and these excuses and these just narratives in my head like you say to keep myself busy to I don't know I don't even know why okay keep going so <laughs> yeah um, I think being off social media for, for so long made me very choosy about mm -hmm. my social media. So I definitely choose to be on Instagram oh. and I really choose not to engage with Facebook much at all and, I, and I'm not on Twitter at all. Um, I choose Instagram because I like it. I like the photos. Mm -hmm. I like the way, it, you, you know, I curate my feed and I can show scenes from my kitchen. I much prefer that to Facebook. So I choose that. I'm not doing Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, and, and. Right. I'm selective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. addition, I don't check the news. I really don't because I figure no. I've been, when I moved to Italy the first time, like 10 years ago, we got rid of a television. We haven't had a TV since then. When I first moved to Italy, I couldn't understand the news anyway because I didn't speak Italian very well. <laughs> um, and that's kind of broke <laughs> the addiction. So I don't check the news because it it has a very negative psychological effect on my life um if i want to find out something i'm sorry when do we ever get on, when do we ever get all the news and they tell you something that yeah. makes you feel good no, that's not, not the point all. of news exactly and that's not the point i know i said i was gonna stop interrupting you and here i am <laughs> but 
We, I, I have never been a person who watches, reads. I mean, we did not have a TV growing up, so it wasn't like yeah. any habit in See, our life. So it was mm. never just known. And I've never, there's a short time in my life when I was like, oh, I'm an adult. I guess I should read the news. And I tried it and I was just like, this is horrible yeah. and depressing. And, and I think when you never watch it and you're never a part of it, then when, when somebody turns it on, I'm sorry, and I'm not talking about the ad breaks, but when I see the news, all I see is advertisements. Yeah, completely. Like, and controlling. I'm not talking about the ads. I'm talking about the actual quote-unquote news itself. Yeah. It's just like garbage. Yeah. I know that's not social media, but it's kind of is as well. Um, I think it's important to block engage with things. So just as much as you turn off notifications. So what I do with Instagram is I have a certain period in the day when I do Instagram and I open it up and I check my messages and I post and I reply to comments. And some days I have less time, so I don't get Mm. time to check my comments. Sometimes I, you know, don't get time to reply to my messages. Sometimes I have more time, but by blocking it, you know, by having specific blocks, I'm like, right, I finish now, I switch it off and I don't go back in there again. Mm. And because I don't have notifications, wow. I can get on with other things yeah. in my life. In addition, I've got into a kind of a routine where I have Sunday off any input. So by that, I mean, I don't go on Instagram on a, on a Sunday usually. And then I don't refresh my email so I'm not seeing any new emails. I don't go out and search for things to listen to. If there's something around that I want to to do, like, oh, I've been meaning to order some this, that and the other, or I've been meaning to reply to my friend, I'll go on and do that. But probably 50% of Sundays I don't engage with the computer or any technology at all. Mm. Um, in addition- That's really good. On a Wednesday, I don't, generally I don't go on Instagram and I have someone else, a little elf who posts for me. Um, and then I use that block of time that I set aside usually for Instagram to do something that's non-Instagram that moves what I'm doing forward. So it might be researching a recipe or trying to get my Bose course online, which is almost there. <laughs> something that's non-Instagram. What inspired that? And um, what, having the Wednesday um, off? Alison. Yeah. Because I remember you said that to me from the very beginning when we would message back and forth and you would say, remember, I won't reply mm. to this tomorrow because, you know, my elf is going to post for me. So um, what motivated Um that? It was just that I could feel that having six days a week going on Instagram was not good for my psyche. I could feel that it was mm. too much input and too much. I needed to step away and have a day where Instagram didn't exist in my world. And, and you only knew that because you were paying so you're becoming more and more aware like 10 years ago maybe that wouldn't wouldn't have alerted you but i could feel that it was just it was encroaching too much and i was forgetting what it was like to have a non-instagram week and you know that my world's here not on that screen so um i and because rob has kind of people who do some bits and bobs for him i had access to someone who could post for me and so i send an email across with a photo and that person mm-hmm. goes on and posts the photo and the text and so I still have consistency of posting mostly six days a week which is what I want because I want to share what I'm right. doing and I hope that as that sharing continues I will be able to ha- be in a position where that brings some economy into this household which is what I'm wanting 
and I like I have right. I have tons of photos that I take with my camera and so I love to share them mm. and so I just let someone yes. else do that and it costs me you know literally a couple of dollars um but it means I get two full days off Instagram a week um and then I extend that to when I um when I am in my moon time, I, when I'm bleeding in my menstrual cycle, I try to take three full days off any input. So I don't um, check my email. If there's something that I'm expecting or that perhaps might come in, I get Rob to refresh my email and he checks it and says, no, it's not there. Um, I don't check my email. I don't listen to any podcasts during that time. I even try not to read books, but I don't use Instagram and I don't um, use any other form of technology. So, so that's those, where you you don't want any any input, yeah. and is that just because that's where you're generating like you just want to have creative process freely in your own mind? I think or, I want to reflect um, on what okay. has what position I'm in in my life at that moment, and what the last month has um, thrown up for me what I'm kind of letting go of that month and how I want the next month to be and just you can't do that when you're taking in Mm. even if it's nice stuff you just can't do it because you can't have that same internal focus and no no it's totally totally it's a really nutritive time for me you know it it feeds me it's not easy because I keep thinking oh I should be doing this I should be doing that but once (laughs) I do it I feel once I engage with my real world and my internal world and you know I'm out in the garden or I'm with Gabriel or I'm just resting with a cup of tea I feel the strength of that and that encourages me to carry on doing it next month you know Mm, I love it so also the other and can you well I wanted to hear about the following following ah yeah 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 (laughs) so we talked a bit a bit about that earlier on yeah but yeah this has been a really hard one for me and continues to be a hard one. It's something that I consciously have to engage with at least once a week because I've always had this idea of, well, I should be following this person because they're doing this sort of oh, stuff or yes. I should be following them because they're following me, you know, and that's a nice thing to oh, do. Yeah. Or I, yeah. I've, got, I've got to follow this person and this person and this person because I really, I, I love what I'm doing and I want to share it and reach more people. And, and how am I going to do that if I, I don't follow them? But I have to check that every single time because mm. I, I know that if I follow someone and I scroll down and I see those photos and they make me feel small or they make me feel like I'm not good enough or they make me compare in a negative way or they make me feel annoyed that's going to really affect my mental state and what I go on Instagram for is to connect to share but also to see to to bring me joy to see beauty and so unless the, the the things that are in my feed the things that I'm letting into my life have got to be really really worth it they've got to bring me something really good Mm. and so that means being extremely ruthless and it hurts every time I should be following them back but oh it kind of hurts me and I I want people to like me and all that kind of thing that I think women are so much more has been trained into women so much more than it has men although I think it's probably going to build for men a lot of cultures I'd say Um, but I have to trust I have to trust that what I'm doing with Ancestral Kitchen will grow through me doing things that bring me joy, 
not through things that I think I should be doing. And if it doesn't yeah. grow in the in a in the same way as it does, then I'm going to be a better person anyway for not following these people who who don't who leave me feeling bad after having seen their photos. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's been an incredibly hard thing for me to do, but to trust myself and to trust that what I do with joy is the things that are going to bring me what I want, not having to do something yeah. or not pushing for something. And going inside and feeling in my body what it means to me. Well, yeah, 18,000 people might follow this person, but if I don't want to follow them, then that's my right. decision. And if my body is telling me this feels bad, I'm panicking or I'm feeling tight in my mm-hmm. chest or I'm feeling a, something in the pit of my stomach when I'm, when I'm engaging with them, then... I am slowly learning to trust that and to let that lead my life, whatever the consequences of that are going to be. But I think they're going to be good. (laughs) And this is a good place to, I I love everything you say, Alison. And this is a good place to remind people, and I've said it before, that if anything in my feed makes anyone feel that, Mm. don't even hesitate. Just unfollow. Mm. Like, I, my sense of self-worth is not attached to how many followers I have and if something I'm posting makes you I mean even if you know me in real life or whatever mm. and it just makes you feel any of what Allison mm. said just don't follow me like it's fine it's fine um I I want I think it's more important that we preserve our sanity yeah. and, and if part of our your sanity is and you want to stay on Instagram then you have to make it be a safe place where you don't feel those crazy feelings. It's harder to do it that way, you know. It was easier in a way to have a two and a half year break. Like it's easier to say, yeah, "Oh well, right. I don't I, think right. I don't believe in the eth- you know unethical treatment of meat, so I'm just going to cut meat out of my life." It's easier to do mm-hmm. that than it is to engage with it feel the pain of trying to be like that every day trying to shut down after an hour trying to live without notifications trying to not follow people who you think you should be following that is harder yeah like just having the phone gone like that was so much easier Mm. it took no moderation took no strategies took no rules took no skills you know no special apps but we learn you know and that's the thing when you when you when you face the things that are hard to do like turning a, a feed off after an hour of mm. doing Instagram you know, connections or of trying to spend a day without it or of trying to turn notifications off. When you actually engage with these things that you find hard, that's where the growth is. That's where real change happens yeah. in your life. Yeah, right. And therefore your life... Yeah you develop and you become deeper and that's what's that's what's happening that's what's happened to me disengaging like this and changing like this I've deepened my experience of myself I've struggled through a lot of it but I'm when I look back now I'm a completely different person regarding technology and social media than I was three years Mm -hmm. ago four years ago and my life's yeah. got better. Well, my sanity's got better. My relationship's relationship got better. Everything. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all the same. If you engage with it yeah. and work with it, even though it's difficult, it brings so much with it. Uh, a friend that um, that I know who was losing, I don't know, we'll say, you know, over 100 pounds of weight. She said the hard thing about her addiction was eating food. Mm. 
And she said the hard thing about having a food addiction is that you still have yes, food. Yes, yes. And she said if you have like a cigarette addiction yes. or alcohol addiction, you don't go to the bar. Yes. You know, you stop that activity completely and you never go back to it. But with food, she's like, you have to keep eating. Yeah. That's a whole nother episode, <laughs> and isn't it? Kind of it? I... like this with... <laughs> because you do I mean, <laughs> yes, and, and I've been through giving up smoking and I've been through losing half my body weight and I know give up right. smoking well I gave up drinking as well and I stopped going to pubs giving up eat, giving up eating oh my gosh it's there it's around you and we're culturally conditioned you have to, to all keep of this eating as well you know yeah. with the technology yeah. it's everyone's got the phone it's there it's there every time you go out yeah. everyone wants to to be and you're so with weird you. if you yeah. don't have it and i even i mean you know i'm on the internet quite a bit especially compared to you but even i get get flack sometimes like oh i sent you this message didn't you mm. see it yet it's mm. like well no i didn't and do you do, I, I know a lot of people say you know oh i don't check messages before 10 mm. right you know do you have time frames within your every day i think the main one is the evening is without mm -hmm. any checking of anything because I've had too many bad experiences where I've checked email at eight o'clock at night and an email's come in that's got me upset or angry yep. and it just then I haven't slept the entire yep. night so um I've we've got into a routine whereas when dinner comes along evening meal which for us is at five o'clock usually so my stomach's rumbling <laughs> now. Um, oh, after no. that, it's gone five. After that, um, we turn off all the devices. The internet is off and that's it. Everything's shut down for the evening. Generally, when I'm looking after Gabriel in the morning, I will try not to engage with anything and be completely with him because that's what I want to be. That's the mother I want to be. Um, so it's when I have the ability in the afternoons when Rob has more time to be around Gable that I can block in time to use it. Mm. But I'd say the evening routine is, is the most important and it's something that I love now because we read together as a family. We play yes, games. get back those you know, evenings. We have evenings together that involve oh, coming in internally and being with each other and that's, that's so much more joyful. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the important thing about time-wise, I think. I know we're we're blowing the time budget uh, on this. I'm not looking at the <laughs> clock anymore. <laughs> I have so many questions. But I like it when you talk about these things, your experience of life now, Allison, mm. um, because I think every there's very few of us that engage in social media or use our computers that don't get now bombarded with the messages about, you know, to some degree, Wi-Fi is bad for you yeah, or screens are right. bad for you or blue light, blue light blocking glasses and all the things. But what what inspires me is not just if you tell me 20% of people who use a computer, you know, whatever. It's when you say, oh, we have our evenings back yeah. in our games. And I know you, I know how much you read. Um, I just saw that you uploaded another chapter of the book. <laughs> I should put the link to that in the show notes. Yeah. But um, to the, you know, just the audiobook podcast that we have, you know. Um, and and I know you sit and you read with your family. And, and those are the kind of things that just bring the the reason and the flavor and just the the living vitality back to why we would get off the screens not just that instagram's making women feel less than and and people are getting cyber bullied but also when they are not there in your life look at what you're doing yeah <laughs> you know, and look and at, look at how uh, i'm feeling now you know you rob says you're yeah 
as time's gone on and these changes have happened, you're you're so much more wonderful person to be around. And I feel that my relationship with myself has deepened. My self-trust has deepened, which I think a lot of us struggle with that ability to have self-trust. Well, it's literally ripped away from you every time you get on a computer. The way that you regain self-trust is by doing things and and putting your self-trust out on a limb and learning that you can be trusted you know so sometimes Mm. you're going to fail and and you're going to be sucked back in but not all the time and it's the the having those evenings back and having me much more grounded literally feeling rooted in myself and having so much more clarity and self-trust and kind of feeling of where I'm heading is is priceless compared to that distraction and that information buzzing around me all the time. Right. So yeah. Um did, did <laughs> ah, <laughs> um was there more <laughs> When's your book coming out? Alex? Oh no. <laughs> I'd have to block off like I'd have to have an elf posting for me like 5 days a week to write a book and I don't want him because I like talking to people on Instagram. um so so the the difference you've made in your life you know you said it your sleep um Mm, it's improved was jarred and yeah so it's it's better and 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 i feel like you and rob um you know you say that you have the issue with sugar now because you binged so hard before that's your theory and rob feels like he has issue with screens now possibly because he binged so hard as a youth and those are horrible things to have happened to you guys but at the same time you've created such beauty out of those by using them to improve your life rather than saying oh look how bad this is now look how we suffer you've said oh look you know our life has pointed us in the direction of true vitality Mm. which i think is really beautiful yeah thank you that's kind of a, a nice way to to round it up i think i just say to people if you want to um, make some changes around social media and tech turn off those notifications first if you want to listen to mm. the to the conversation with Rob to understand a bit more about ebook readers then sign up for the Patreon and you, you can um, listen in on that um, and yeah. yeah that unfollowing people who don't bring you joy um, is really important yes. and also blocking your time those things will really yeah. will have a a huge difference and once you've done them for three four five months and you're solid in them then you'll you'll see what they open up and you'll see the the joy and the other things that were not going on which which will come and enrich your life that's wonderful I love it, Allison. Those are things we can start with. Everybody can start with, you know, today. I mean, before the podcast is over, they're probably already in there <laughs> unfollowing, unfollowing me and turning yeah. off notifications. <laughs> is there anyone out there anymore? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great podcast, Allison. Thank you so much. And to you and oh, Rob both. It's been both a long one. The, I hope it's been the, useful really the years people. of the years of effort that went into this yeah it's nice to of you to ask such good questions and for us to be able to share it because (laughs) um you know rob hasn't shared the information about the ebooks and that kind of thing with anyone really so it feels good to be able to share it and also to to feel part of something 
you know that I'm I'm still very much work in progress and I'm learning as I'm going along and it's nice to be able to to share where I'm at and um, to look forward and know that hopefully the path that I'm pointing myself on around social media is one that I can carry on with and that will mean that my health continues to improve as well yes wonderful well, thank you, Allison, thank you, and if, um, thank you to the patrons who are making the podcast possible. Yeah. And um, we will look forward to, I know, um, Allison, if the patrons want to submit questions, I know you and I are working on questions yeah. to be answered on the podcast. So where where should they send the questions? That's, that's a really good, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably the best thing to do is to send them to us on Instagram at the moment. We don't have a, um, Probably, I a think so. special email for the podcast at the moment. So I'd no, be happy for sure if you have any questions or any topics that you want us to cover on the um, exclusive podcast that we're doing for Patreons, then please do um, drop an email or drop a question to yeah. either to me or to you, Andrea, and we would take it from there yep. for sure. I'd be happy with that. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Allison. Now you have to get off the internet. Yeah, exactly. It's dinner time. Dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you soon. And thanks again, as always, Allison. Wonderful. Thanks very much, Andrea. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.